morning. I'm delighted to have you here today. Thank you for showing up on a holiday weekend. Many of you may be guests that are visiting family this weekend. We've got a lot of family in, and it's always great to see our family and, and, and friends, and, and it's great to see all of you that are here this morning. What we've been doing, if you're visiting, is we've been going through the Old Testament, looking at various pictures of Jesus that we find in the Old Testament. Jesus was never a plan B. Jesus was not uh, something that, that God just figured out to do after he finished with the Old Testament. Had a few hundred years on his hands and thought, hey, I've got an idea. Let's uh, do the, the Jesus thing. That's not what it was. Jesus was contemplated before the creation of the world, Paul tells us in Ephesians. God made this world knowing the price that God would have to pay for this world's people. And it was done deliberately. So it's not surprising that in the Old Testament scriptures, we see visions and prophecies and ideas and types and other images of Jesus. Both so that the Jews would recognize the Messiah when he came, but also so that we would be able to go back and look at it and say, wow, this is affirming. And we can better understand the work of God by seeing how he spoke of it before it happened, as well as in the events of the incarnation and the death and resurrection of Yeshua, of Jesus. And so that's what we've been doing this morning. We're going to focus on Isaiah chapter 6. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And I think you'll see why in a minute. But here's the starting point. You ready? Uzziah wasn't a bad king. Generally, Yahweh was his strength. Generally, see the the name Uzziah comes from two different Hebrew words. Uz is strength. The Yah part is an abbreviation for Yahweh. The Lord's name is revealed to Israel through Moses and his encounter on the burning bush. So Uzziah's name means Yahweh, the Lord, is my strength. And God was his strength, generally. Now, Uzziah had an alternate name. You'll read about him in the Bible as King Uzziah, but you'll also read about him in the Bible as Azariah. Azariah comes from the Hebrew composite, two Hebrew words. The Azar part comes from the Hebrew for help. And the Yah comes from the Hebrew for Yahweh, God, the Lord. So his name, Uzziah, God, Yahweh is my strength. His name, Azariah, Yahweh is my help. And Azariah 
was a good king, generally. And God was his help, generally. You see, his father was a king named Amaziah. And his father was a good king, generally. But his father decided in a bit of pride and arrogance to go fight a battle against Israel. He was a king of Judah, the southern kingdom. This is after the kingdoms have been split. And and Amaziah decided to go fight in a battle of, of uh, the house of Sun, Beit Shemesh. And Amaziah had been told, don't go do this. But he did it anyway. And it was a dismal failure. And his son takes over as king, but his son is being, is a young man, a teenager at the time, is being mentored by Zechariah. Hebrew words, Zakar remembers Yah, an abbreviation for Yahweh, the Lord, Zechariah, the Lord remembers. So, You've got a good prophet who's taking care of a boy king and the boy king grows into the role quite well and functions as quite a good king. Uzziah, also known as Azariah, served the Lord. And you can read about him in 2 Kings 15, 1 through 5. So if you'll recall your Old Testament... There are two different sets of books that really detail the kings of of um, uh, Israel and Judah. One is first and second kings, one is first and second chronicles. Kings probably written first, chronicles probably written later. So if you go to Second Kings 15, you read, In the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, the northern kingdom, Azariah, the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for 52 years in Jerusalem. His dad had been captured. His dad wasn't dead. He started reigning in, in uh, absentia, in a sense with his dad in absentia. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And look at this. He did what was right in the eyes of Yahweh. That's in all capitals because it's a reference that the original Hebrew has the name of the Lord, not just the Hebrew word for Lord. So it's Yahweh. He did what was right in Yahweh. And if you're reading this in the Hebrew... You've already read that his name, Azariah, means Yahweh is his help. He's named after Yahweh. He does what was right in the eyes of Yahweh, according to all that his father, Amaziah, had done. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and made offerings on the high places. Remember, that was a very cultic thing to do. The cults around Israel, the culture around Israel, 
believed that if you got on the high places, you were closer to the gods who were up in the heavens. Now, Israel had been taught you worship only in one location. At, at, the, 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 at this point, you've got the temple that's been built. But they're worshiping a little bit of everywhere. And he didn't stop that as he should have. And Yahweh touched the king so that he was a leper to the day of his death and he lived in a separate house and his son starts governing. And that's really about all you read. Oh, you read that they buried him, um, uh, slept with his fathers. They buried him with his fathers. Actually, they wound up dumping him in a field after that to decompose. But, but that's it. And he seems to be an okay guy. Unless you read the fuller treatment. The fuller treatment comes from Second Chronicles 26. See, he, he followed the Lord. He grew strong with God as his helper. With God as his strength. But in growing strong over the decades... Didn't, didn't, didn't work too well. Second Chronicles 26 is worth the read. The chronicler does an amazing job with this. Here's what he tells you. Now he's calling him Uzziah. It's the same king. Uzziah, 16 years old, made king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Eloth. He restored it to Judah. Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. Same basic data we had from kings. But keep looking. His mother, same woman. He did what was right in the eyes of Yahweh, according to all that his father had did, done. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought Yahweh, God made him prosper. And then the chronicler gives us the details. You know, he went out and he made war against the Philistines. He broke through the wall of Gath. He broke through the wall of Jabna. He broke the wall of Ashdod. He built cities in the territories of Ashdod and among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines, against the Arabians that lived in Gerubal and the Meunites. The Ammonites paid tribute to him. His fame even spread to the border of Egypt. For he became very strong. Uzziah, alternate name for the king. That's the one, Yahweh is my strength. And when you read the chronicler using that name over and over, the chronicler will reference how strong he was in the Lord. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, at the angle, and he fortified them. He built towers in the wilderness. He did all of these things. He worked in the Shephelah, in the plains, those the hill country, and in the plains. He had farmers and vine dressers. Moreover, he had an army of soldiers fit for war in divisions according to the numbers of, in the muster made by Geo, the secretary. The whole number of the heads of his father's house of mighty men of Valar, 2,600. 
Under their command was an army of 307,500 who could make war with mighty power to help the king against the enemies. His fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. I don't often take issue with the marvelous people who put out the ESV, the English Standard Version of the Bible. It's the translation that I use day in, day out. And they do a magnificent job. And Crossway, the publisher, does a magnificent job. They've been very gracious to our class and, and, and to a number of different projects that I know of. So if they ever watch this, don't take this as a slight. We love you guys. But I don't like what you did here. You interrupted this beautiful Hebrew writing. I won't blame you for putting the new verse number down, but I will blame you for putting this down here. That just gets in the way. What I've got here in highlight needs to be read together. In the Hebrew, it's very potent. You've got Uzziah, Yahweh is my strength, also known as Azariah, Yahweh is my help. As his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped. That's from the same root. It's in the Nifal, in the Hebrew, it's reflective, it's, 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 it's uh, passive. But what it says is, is Uzziah, I mean, Azariah was in fact true to his name. Yahweh was his helper. He was Azariah. He was marvelously helped till he was strong. Uzziah. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. God is his strength. God is his help. He was helped. He was made strong. And it went to his head. (laughs) And he became puffed up. And he became proud. To his destruction. And then the chronicler tells us what happened. He was unfaithful to Yahweh, his God. He entered the temple of Yahweh to burn incense on the altar of incense. Now, you don't go into the temple of Yahweh to burn incense unless you're a priest. And you're not a priest. Unless you're from the right tribe. And he wasn't from the tribe of Aaron. He wasn't a Levite. He had no business being in there. It was a violation. Look, I I, I want to cut him some slack here. I don't want to be too harsh. Let he who is without sin throw the first stone. And heaven knows my pride's gotten me in trouble. I've got no business judging him. 
But do you see the mind game that he probably played with himself? Was it Jeremiah the prophet who said the heart is deceitful above all things? We'll come up with rationalizations to do what we want to do if we're not extremely careful. If we don't have what Steve Ortiz and I were talking about as kind of an accountability structure. You can see this unfolding in his mind. It's like, hey, Yahweh has made me strong. Yahweh has been my help. All I'm going to go in and do is offer a sacrifice of incense to Yahweh. Do you really want to tell me I'm not allowed to go worship the Lord as I see fit? Do you really want to say that I'm not supposed to be able to sacrifice to God? Azariah the priest went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to Yahweh. That's for the priests. That's for the sons of Aaron. They're consecrated to burn incense. They've been made holy and dedicated to that purpose. You go out of the sanctuary. You've done wrong. It's going to bring you no honor from Yahweh God. It's going to bring you no honor. They perceived he was not in there simply to honor God. They perceived he was in there to to bring himself. I'm the first king to do this. It was more about Uzziah to Uzziah. So Uzziah got angry. He, (laughs) He didn't take the warning. He had a censer in his hand to burn incense. A censer, that's an incense holder. When he became angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priests in the house of Yahweh by the altar of incense. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him and said, Holy smoke! incense. Sorry. It's a cheap shot. I couldn't pass it up. You've got leprosy. It just happened. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him. And he was leprous in his forehead. They rushed him out quickly, and he hurried out because Yahweh had struck him. And I mean, he's running out. He's thinking, if I get out of here quick enough, God will... Uh, I'm sorry, God! But God doesn't take it away. King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. And being a leper, he lived in a separate house. He was excluded from the house of Yahweh. Jotham, his son, was over the king's household governing the people of the land. Now, the rest of the acts of Uzziah from first to last, Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, wrote. And Uzziah died. Slept with his fathers. They buried him with his fathers in the burial field that belongs to the king because he's a leper. Archaeological find, by the way, they moved his bones, it looks like, 
around the time of Jesus. They found him in the field and moved him. There's don't have time for that. But that's the story. Growing strong over the decades had an effect. It went to his head. And he became his own God, getting to dictate what he did and didn't do. Now, I love the story. The story is also given with a little more history by a Jewish historian named Yosef ben Matityahu. Yah? Uh-huh. Ben is son. son. So Yosef, the son of Matityahu. Have you ever heard of that Jewish historian? He wrote all of these great books. Maybe you've heard of him by his Latinized name, Josephus. Yosef. Joseph. Okay. So Josephus was a Jewish historian, originally from Galilee, who fought in the Jewish rebellion against Rome. He was a general or a commander. I don't know if general is the right word. Got captured. And became quite Romanized, was taken to Rome, and for the Caesars, wrote uh, Jewish histories, among other things. So that Rome could better understand the Jewish people. And he wrote about these events. He's first century. Here's what he had to say. Uzziah was 16 years old when he was made king of Judah in place of his murdered father Amaziah. He was very energetic. He defeated the Philistines, the Arabs, the Ammonites. He repaired the walls of Jerusalem. He dug canals. He strengthened the army. But this success made him proud. And he forgot that it was God who enabled him. One day, during a public festival... That's a detail the chronicler doesn't give us. But it's a detail that was in Jewish mindset at the time of Josephus. He put on the priestly garment and went into the temple to offer sacrifice to God on the golden altar, the altar of incense. The priest tried to prevent him, saying, it's not lawful for anyone except the descendants of Aaron to offer the sacrifice. The king became angry, threatened to kill them unless they were quiet. Then he finishes. While he spoke, however, the earth began to shake and the temple split open. There was an earthquake. A bright shaft of sunlight shone through the opening and fell on the king's face, which instantly became leprous. As soon as the priests saw the leprosy, they told the king to leave the city as an unclean person. In horror and shame, he did. The proud king, in horror and shame, did as he was told and lived outside the walls as a private citizen. His son Jotham took over the government and Uzziah died in despondent grief at age 68, having reigned 52 years. Wow. Earthquake. Opening. Shaft of light, leprosy. By the way, when I told you Amaziah, Uzziah was a good king, generally, I had the picture up there of Rembrandt's painting. That's Rembrandt's painting. It was not uh, like a real copy that was done at the time the king was alive. 
But Rembrandt was a pretty good student of the Bible. You'll see the, the shaft of light in the painting that's coming from above. And it shoots down across his head onto his hands. That's Rembrandt telling us that the earth began to shake and the temple split open and a bright shaft of sunlight shone through the opening and fell on the king's face. Now, the earthquake is an ad from Josephus? Sort of. We can still read about the earthquake in the Old Testament. We've just got to go to a prophet like Amos. The words of Amos, who was among the shepherds of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of King of Uzziah, King of Judah, two years before the earthquake. The earthquake was something that everyone remembered. It was a, a very important event. I mean, it breaks up part of the temple. They had to fix it. There was a lot that went on. Zechariah says, you will flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Now, this is an important story to understand because I want us to look at the commissioning of the prophet of Isaiah with this story in our mind because Isaiah lived through these events. And the contrast between the proud king and the humble Isaiah could not be greater. So now let's see what happened when God commissioned Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, my favorite, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It starts out, in the year King Uzziah died. Now, if we don't see that as Isaiah making an emphasis and drawing our attention to King Uzziah, then we're missing out. He wasn't simply dating this so that you would have, you know, like uh, when... See, we grow up in going to school... And how many of you, I, I don't know that all of y'all went to the same school I did. How many of you, when you went to school, Nadia was talking about being a third grade teacher. I don't know if y'all still do this. Did you have to put headings on your paper? You had to put your name. You had to put the date. And I think that's so they teach us how to like know what a date is. I mean, by the time we get to high school, we learn dates, but it's a different kind of date. Um, the, the date date, uh, so that we'd do it. So we just think, you know, like letters, you're supposed to put the day up there. Well, that's, that's, that's our life. That wasn't theirs. He puts this here because he wants you to remember what happened with Uzziah. Earthquake king. Proud king. Leprous king. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting up on a throne. High and lifted up. Now, the throne is symbolized in the temple. The temple didn't have a throne. It had the Ark of the Covenant. And the Lord was enthroned, enthroned above the cherubim that were atop the Ark, the mercy seat. But Isaiah is not a son of Aaron. He's got no right to be in the throne room to see the Lord. 
No more right than the king had. In fact, probably less. He's not even a, Isaiah's not even a king. And he sees the Lord sitting on a throne. And the train of his robe, the, 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 the bottom part of his robe, fills the temple. And above him stood the seraphim, plural for seraphs. Seraph comes from the Hebrew word for burning. Each had six wings. With two covered his face, with two his feet, with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is Yahweh of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The angels are singing. Yahweh is holy. Kodesh, Kodesh, Kodesh. You'd say it twice in Hebrew for emphasis. If they wanted to emphasize gold, they'd say gold, gold. You know, like, like real gold, gold. Okay? This is three times, which is often used in the Old Testament for divine things. Holy, holy, holy. And how do we know He's holy? By what we see, by what He does, by His, the exhibition of His power and His might and His wisdom and His strength. The whole earth is full of His glory. It reflects the, the awesomeness of the Lord that sets Him apart from anybody or anything. And there is an earthquake. The foundations of the threshold shake at the voice of Him who called. And look, Isaiah knows the story of the king. The kings died. Don't you know at his service, everybody was saying, poor Uzziah, such a great guy. Yahweh was his strength. Yahweh was his help till he let it go to his head. And he goes in to see the Lord and to offer his sacrifice. And boy, that earthquake and the whole roof splits open and he gets leprosy and he gets cursed and he's at an outcast and he dies in despondent grief with no family nearby lest they get the leprosy. With that service having just been completed in that year, Isaiah finds himself in the presence of God. And there's the earthquake. And there are the angels. And what does he say? Woe is me. Do you know how to say woe in Hebrew? Oi. Oi. I read the Hebrew. Oi, Lee. Woe to me. Woe is me. For I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. Interesting, he's going to be commissioned to speak for God here. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. But I've seen the king, Yahweh of hosts. I mean, I, look, if I'm the prophet Isaiah, 
I'm like, man, I know what happened to the king. And I know the injunction from Moses that no one gets to see the Lord and live. I mean, leprosy might be best case scenario. But the king goes in to experience the Lord out of pride and arrogance and self-centered thoughts. Isaiah comes into the presence of the Lord and he hits the deck in humility. Woe is me. I'm too sinful for this. I got no right to be here. I got no right to say anything. And one of the angels flies to him. Having in his hand a burning coal he'd taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and he said, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Your guilt's taken away. Your sin's atoned for. Whoa. Now, where on earth, and the passage continues, God says, hey, I need someone to speak for me. Who will go for me? I need a messenger. And Isaiah is able to say, here I am, send me. There is a very strong picture here of Isaiah the sinner who has no right to live, no right to be speaking for God, no right to be looking at God, no right to be in relationship with God, no right to be in the presence of God because he's unclean. You say, hey, I'm not unclean. I'm a pretty good guy. No, unclean. Are you 100% good? If you're 99.999% good, you're unclean compared to the holy God. And I got news for you. I know a bunch of you. You're like me. We're in the bottom quarter. We're not 99.9%. We're scraping at about 15%. Okay, maybe you're better than me. But I want to tell you, we all, if we could catch a vision of the holy God, every one of us would be on the deck. Nose to the ground. We would just be down, flat. Oi! Rick, what's the really bad oi in Yiddish? Oi gavop! That's like oi to the third power. <laughs> Whoa is me. I'm unclean. I live amongst unclean people. I got no right. And I got to tell us something, all of us. If we've not been touched by the sacrifice of God... We have no right to be in relationship with him. That was God's altar. That was God's sacrifice. That's the Messiah. That's the sacrifice that God makes. It doesn't say you have taken, you have gotten rid of your guilt. You have atoned for your sins. It says your guilt is taken away. It says your sin is atoned for. God did it. God atoned for your sins with the sacrifice on the altar of God. That's the picture of Jesus. So if we 
consider this in Isaiah 6, it's, it's, it's incredibly profound. I mean, this is the Messiah. This is the sacrifice that Isaiah talks about in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Who's believed what he's heard? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The arm is, is the extension. It, it was also representative of the power, the strength. The arm of Pharaoh was long. You know, the arm of the Lord. The arm was the power. It's, think of it like Popeye. After the spinach. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, the Messiah, grew up before him like a young plant. And like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. He wasn't voted most beautiful. He was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. This is the same prophet Isaiah writing 700 and some odd years before Jesus is born. One from whom men hid their faces. He was despised. We esteemed him not. But he has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that brought us peace. The Messiah brings peace with God. He takes the unclean and atones for the sins and makes them clean so that they can say to God, here am I, send me. With his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He didn't open his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter. This is God's sacrifice. This is the altar where the angel takes the sacrifice and touches Isaiah. The lamb led to the slaughter. A sheep before its shearers. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. He was cut off. Out of the land of the living. He was stricken for the transgression of my people. Isaiah, you, me, we don't have to be the leprous ones that are sent outside the walls. Jesus was that for us. He took the leprosy of our uncleanness. He left the city. He was the outcast. He was the offering for our guilt. He bore, the chapter ends, the sins of many. And he makes intercession for the transgressors because he poured out his soul to death. And this is it. Now, the amazing thing is, if you go to John 12, John says this is Jesus. John ties Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 6 together. John 12, starting with verse 36. There we go. 
When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he'd done many, so many signs before them, they still didn't believe. So that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who's believed what he's heard from us? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That is Isaiah 53, the first verse. That chapter we just read. Therefore, they couldn't believe because again, Isaiah said... He blinded their eyes. He hardened their hearts lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. That's Isaiah 6. That's what God gave Isaiah as his charge where he said, when he said, who's the messenger I can send? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. God said this. So it is John who ties them together, doesn't want us to miss it. And if you miss it at all, you won't miss it if you read the Revelation. Because the Revelation chapter 5 is pretty profound. John's got this vision of heaven and he sees the throne of God. He sees the angels saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, power. And I saw on the right hand of him who seated on the throne a scroll. And a mighty angel proclaims who's worthy to open the scrolls. And they can't find anyone. And John starts to weep because no one is clean. But one of the elders said, hey, you can stop crying. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered and he can open the scrolls. And between, and he looks up, John looks up, and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, he sees a lamb standing as though it had been slain. And the lamb takes the scroll from the right hand of him seated on the throne. And he opens it. And everybody says, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God. That's the altar. That's the sacrifice. That is the Savior. That is the Messiah. That is Jesus. That is God incarnate. That is God bearing the sins of the people. It's an amazing thing. So the sacrifice, we know what it was that touched Isaiah and cleansed him. There's no doubt about it. We can read it. Here are your points for home. He was marvelously helped till he was strong. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. Boy, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. There's a fantastic song. If you do not know this song by Keith Green, Oh Lord, You're Beautiful. I want to play just a line or two of it. I want you to hear it. Let's see if I can make this work. about 
to me. Sorry, I've got the song repeating on itself, and that's my mistake. I apologize. But I want you to see this line. Go back. I want to take your word and shine it all around. But first, help me just to live it, Lord. Here's the key. And when I'm doing well, help me to never seek a crown... For my reward is giving glory to you. I mean, come on. That's, yeah, he nailed it. When I'm doing well, let me never seek a crown. We don't have time to play through the rest of this. You can get it on YouTube, iTunes, wherever, Spotify. Point for home number two. So point for home number one. I want to live it, but I don't want to be the person... Whoever becomes haughty, proud, arrogant, self-confident, self-reliant. All I want to do is keep my focus on the Lord and try to bring Him glory. It's hard. It's hard. Because we all tend to become self-centered. But it's what we've got to run from. And the way to run from it is to become God-centered. Second point for home, Azariah, Uzziah. God is my help. God is my strength. I want that. I want that. I'm not changing my name, but I might get a nickname. Call me Az. Ooze. I just like that. I want that. And then the last one, woe is me. Oily. Boy, I need Jesus. I need him. My major professor, Harvey Floyd, said, we need to speak the gospel, the death of Jesus for our sins. We need to speak the gospel regularly. Even if we know it. Even if we live in it. We need to hear it again. We need to hear the power of God's love that is so great for us that He will do what needs to be done to make us clean so we can be in His presence in a loving relationship. And He has done that. And to Him all of the glory, all of the honor, and all of the praise flows. 
Isaiah got to see the Lord Jesus on the altar. Isaiah got to pronounce the words. God cleansed Isaiah so that from the mouth of Isaiah could come the prophecy of Isaiah 53. A prophecy written 700 years before the birth of Jesus that so clearly depicts the events of Jesus' life and death and resurrection that it almost belongs in the New Testament like that could be the real ending to the Gospel of Mark. Can I bless you in the name of Jesus and I hope to, to see you next week. Father, thank you so much for your word. Father, thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for our sins. We humbly come before you and say, Oy, we are not clean without you, Father, making us clean, without you atoning for our sins. And we with loving, gracious hearts, say thank you for doing that in Jesus. We claim that, that, that sacrifice, Father, and then ask you to, to work in our lives to change us into what we can be for you, for your glory, Lord, and nothing else and no one else's and not for our own. We offer everything we've got to you, Father, in responsive love to the love that you've shown us through Jesus, our Lord. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a good, safe Memorial Day. Amen, Lord.